Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tony and I am joined not as always, but the majority of the time by my yeah, partner and my partner in crime, my good bud, one of my best buds, Russ Johnson. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. Hanging out, checking out all the Christmas stuff, dude, everywhere I go. Trying not to eat too much, trying to enjoy the season. You know, hit all those marks, man, that that we put on ourselves every December. How's the not eating? I feel like I'm doing pretty good there, like better than I than I thought. Um, Thanksgiving, dude, was different. I literally ate, and this is this is no exaggeration. It hurt to breathe. I had to lay a certain way on the couch for like an hour. It was pretty yeah. shameful. Um, but the food was just so so good, dude. Uh, my wife and a friend of ours, Nadia, both did the cook, the you know, the cooking, man. And it was just, it was, it was, it was killer. Definitely failed there. But since then, I've been doing okay. I was just glad to be able to taste Thanksgiving this year uh, because oh, that's right. The Thanksgiving prior, um, I had lost my my taste and smell due to COVID mm. the day before Thanksgiving. So not only that. did I miss out on the annual tradition of ordering pizza the night before Thanksgiving, because you're prepping and you got a bunch of stuff going on. I missed out on being able to actually taste Thanksgiving. So I was, I was very thankful that I was able to actually taste food. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's, year. that's rough. That's rough. That's, that's a, that's hell on earth, man. In a lot of ways. Hey dude. So yeah. Cheers. All about thankfulness. And that was, that was my thing. So yeah, good. I think the whole food thing, um, if, if God could, you know, just bear some fruit in my life of self-control when it comes to food, that would be, Mm. that would be great. What if Paul's thorn in the flesh was just that? Yeah. McDonald's (laughs) (laughs) just that he couldn't help himself. He was so embarrassed. So embarrassed of the loss of status that he was going to receive when people found out that this dude is going through ordering a order a quarter pounder meal, man, with the McDonald's fries. People were going to find out. He's just like, Lord, take this from me. Please take this from me. Which before, is pretty much before the prayer, I found out. Which is pretty much the prayer you pray after you actually eat McDonald's. You're like, oh, that was the worst decision ever. Yeah, it is. It is. But then if you're like me a week later, you're driving by McDonald's and you're like, well, not really hungry, but I am. I mean, I am all the way here. It could be. It'll be different this time. It'll be different. I'll, I'll get a I'll get a McChicken. Yep. Yeah, that's better for you. That's yeah. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah, instead of the chicken nuggets, just give me one big one. <laughs> Add bread to it. Yeah. The Apostle Paul would have really appreciated Jim Gaffigan's take on, on that. For sure. 100%. We literally would admit to anything other than eating McDonald's. Oh, he was totally willing to just be that guy. Yeah. Could be, man. That could be the thorn. Yeah, Speaking sure. of thorns in the flesh, we've got a big topic today. Based off the uh, audience interest that is that has come in, and there are moments, man, where this conversation and where it goes, and the takes that people have, and the positions and pursuits they take on this topic, dude, really do sometimes become a thorn in my flesh. I ain't gonna lie. Russ is riled up, so it's gonna be a good one um, to get into specifically what you're alluding to. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast and tracking with us, you'll know that the Lardcast is in your hands, the audience. And we've been 
um, reaching out to you guys and asking, hey, what do you guys want us to talk about? Uh, we got into transformation, some of the misconceptions of grace. We just got done with three podcasts on the deconstruction phenomena. Today, we are transitioning into the conversation about church. One of the bigger conversations that we have with the people that we connect with is all kinds of different conversations and avenues and on-ramps into the conversation of, of church. And this is something that we've written about and talked about extensively. So at some point, we are going to point you to some of the things that we already have um, put out on this topic. But I guess maybe we could start with this. Talking about the conversation of church, what counts as church, how to do church. Am I free to start something new? Can I leave my church? Can I transition this church? Am I allowed to speak into it? Am I not? Should I quit? Should I walk away? Or yeah. a lot of people listening in, man, people that I know personally, you mentioned the word church and they're like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Right. Like I have zero interest in it. Don't even want to even talk about it because of um, some, I'll just go ahead and say this. Some of the reasons that I've heard, I found myself going, I don't know, man, that seems like you're bothered about something else. But there are a lot of you know very justifiable reasons why they are bothered, yeah, um, because of what's been done you know in the name of church. So, so I think it would be really really helpful for our listeners and for maybe somebody who might forward this on to a friend who doesn't really like know us or doesn't mm -hmm. know kind of like the ongoing conversation we've been having for seven years uh, between ourselves and then also with. The, the broader Lark family. Can we start by just talking about what is our motivation in this conversation about church in the West? Like what, like what is our heart in this conversation? If I'm speaking for myself, I think I come at it more from a practical perspective than I do a right or correct perspective, like a theological or doctrinal one. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. if, that uh, that take is a reverse from what it used to be. When I first really started unpacking and seeing what the scriptures were saying about what the church is and what it's not and how it operated and what it could be. And mm -hmm. um, I definitely came at it from a, hey, guys, we don't have to keep doing things this way. The scriptures actually say this instead. Okay, so our whole idea of like, who qualifies as leaders and what leaders do and what counts as church and gatherings and membership and all these pieces that we were so dialed in on. And again, looking at the scriptures and going, yeah, man, that the way we're doing this isn't, isn't here. So it was very much like we need to do it this way because the way we're doing it is wrong. It's wrong. It's not in the scriptures. Why do we keep doing this? And that's where I came at it from. It's almost more of like a, you know, if you're like in the Christian camps, you know, what I mean, some people say it's a little bit more of like a prophetic voice within that, right? Like you were very much wanting to be faithful to what God said. But over the years, it just became much more practical for me. I think once I saw that, yes, this is what the scriptures say, and we really can walk in it this way. And you, know, you can also walk in it that way if you want. It's not like, you know, you're like in sin or you're doing something wrong, you know what I mean? Because you're a senior pastor with you know, a Sunday centric church model, you know what I mean? That you preach from and lead from and, you know, and do these things. Um, and I think that was a little bit more freeing for me to just look at it from a practical lens. So I think that's the heart for me was practically there is a much more simple way of uh, following Jesus on this side of, on the side of heaven, a way that yeah. looks a lot more like friendship and shared meals it looks a lot like what Jesus was doing with the disciples when he walked the earth. And I think there's a freedom that we have to just continue to do as the body of Christ, right? The church, what Jesus, the body of Christ, right? Actually did. Um, so helping people grab onto the simplicity. I'll add to what you're saying and say a big part of, uh, for, for us, for, for Lark, like why we created this platform is we just have a heart to get good news out. Yeah. We just want people to freaking hear like how awesome he is and what he's yeah. done for the world and on behalf of the world in Christ. And I think, you know, socially we look at the church and we just realize, man, most of our neighbors just, they're not interested in it. 
And not mm-hmm. only that, it's just not the way people learn. They want to dialogue. They want to ask their questions. They want to have an experience, the intellectual freedom to say out loud their yeah. most blasphemous thoughts and ideas and to look across the table um, at a friend who, who represents like God and Christ, someone who believes and to know they're not going to be rejected in that and to actually yeah. have some, you know, some dialogue. And I think practically, I love what you're saying because it's like, it's just not reaching people. If, if the yeah. church is saying good news is here in this location at nine and ten forty-five, and only this dude right here on the stage right. is the one who can talk about it. So you yeah. have to get up on Sunday morning, get your family dressed, drive over here to this place, right? That here's this person who you don't know, talk about this thing. And it's just like, practically, it's just like, that's just not how this is going to go, man. Mm-mm. No, you we're definitely in a time where people, uh, most people are uninterested in, in the church in any form or fashion as far as, far as it's gathering. Um, you are now at a place where a third of the people who were a part of churches within the last year and a half have left. Okay. With no interest. Uh, a new stat just came out today that pastors under 45 years old are all thinking about resigning. Many have. So you're talking like record number pastor leaders of institutional churches resigning, walking away. There's all these things that are, you know, we can look at. And I think what we're doing within Lark is going, well, here's the beauty of the good news and it getting out is through a declaration and a deed of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. Those who believe are named the church. It's who we are. Yeah. Instead of getting down about all these statistics and like what's happening, you know, within the movement of what we call church in the West, we're able to look at it and go, okay, it's sad. Yeah. But on the flip side, um, we are freed up to actually meet people where they are, offer friendship and shared meals and help our neighbors um, come to know that the, the freedom, the forgiveness, the rest, the peace, the belonging that Jesus alone yeah. offers, man. Right. And to be able to do that in a way that's very natural and life-giving. Yeah. Amen, dude. Because theologically, you know, we believe Jesus modeled a much simpler way to go back to your original, you know, thought, a way that was centered on what is this king like, right? As he mm-hmm. talks about the kingdom, what is the heart of this king towards you? Those who, all the people that gather around him, those who are used to hearing, you don't belong. You're not a part of this because of your lineage or where you live or your skin color or religion or whatever. Yeah. Your bank account, your orientation, right? Your gender. I mean, there's a million things that were thrown in, like who counted and who didn't. Right. And so we just believe Jesus modeled a much simpler way. We believe we have permission and freedom to lean into multiple expressions. And like we push back and start to fight and start to fire back when leaders say we can't do this or it has to look like this. Or the people who come to us who really have a heart to reach these people who are never coming when they're told by a leader that they can't go and do this thing or they're discouraged or they're to use Jesus words in the gospel um, when Peter, <laughs> when Peter found that dude who didn't belong to the, the 12 mm-hmm. and he comes back, goes, Oh, Hey, I found someone who was uh, doing ministry in your name. Yeah. I shut that down. <laughs> just to let you know, Jesus, I shut it down. And he's so just true. like, and like, he thought he was going to get like a pat on the back from Jesus. Yep. Like, yeah, good job, man. You know, cause only us right here, we're the inner circle. Only, only we're the ones that can do ministry in Jesus name. Only people who have, you know, this liturgy or came from this seminary background or have this mm-hmm. kind of pedigree um, or whatever. And if you look at, if you pair all the synoptic gospels together, that's the passage where Jesus says, um, if anyone were to scandala one of these little ones it's better for you to toss a millstone around your neck and chuck yourself into the sea yeah and so that passage that Mm. the little one that he's referring to there is this just everyday person this rogue person 
who just yep. wants to go do some ministry in Jesus name. And I, I know I speak for you. Like, like we just get pissed about that because we've yeah. met so many people around the country who dude, all they want to do is just reach their neighbors and yeah. they're, and they're wrestling with the bulkiness of this expression, right? They just want to mm-hmm. go step into something much simpler, but when they go to sit down and talk to the person who they're supposed to trust as their spiritual leader, all of a sudden that self-preservation kicks in and everything inside of them is not going to allow them to leave and go do that thing, but they want to keep them and preserve them here. And so they come up with all these different theological arguments, biblical arguments. Well, that doesn't count. It doesn't hit the marks. You don't have permission to do that. You're not trained all the rest. And so when we push back, that's, that's what gets us taken back. Yeah. I was talking with somebody the other day. I might've shared this on the podcast. Um, I don't think I have, but the other day I was talking to somebody and they were like, look, man, I love what you guys are doing. Looking at getting behind it financially. I know you're a nonprofit. I know that, you know, you, for you guys to take the time to study and think and write and teach and podcast and travel and meet with people like you can't do that without support. I'm like, yeah, man. And so I explained a few things and, you know, him and his wife wanted to jump in. And he said, but just out of curiosity, I've, I've shared this also with a few friends and they come back with like, well, what's like unique about this? I'm not, I'm the, the, where, where this connects to the church is where I'm struggling is something that came up. And so I said, man, I said, Lark's kind of like the Billy Graham association of old Billy Graham association would travel the world uh, through a crusade approach. Okay. Think big events, right. In cities. And their whole thing was just trying to help an exhausted world find rest and freedom in God's inexhaustible grace. That was Billy Graham's whole aim, man. And so he goes through this crusade approach. And then what happened is eventually churches were like, Hey man, you came in and you, you preached good news. And a lot of people here came to know, to, you know, came to believe that, man, Jesus really is my only hope. Like he really is who he said he was. He really did reconcile us like, amen. But then you guys left you, when you packed up and moved to the next city. And so the connection that they found with you was left to flounder. We need the Billy Graham Association to be more intentional, and we need you guys to start working with local churches when you do a crusade to help people locally get connected who come to know Jesus. And I was kind of sharing that we have the same heart as the Billy Graham Association. Our heart, man, is people coming to know this just scandalous grace that has set them free. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah, okay. So the difference is we don't partner with local churches when we help someone awaken to that freedom, we don't connect them to local churches. Instead, we equip them to be the church right where they are. These few couples were like, oh, okay. But then immediately you can see, right? The lights start going off, but, and then all the butts come in. Well, like, well, why would you guys do that? And I'm like, well, first on one hand, the people that we're reaching already have communities and jobs and families that they're a part of. To pull them out of that really doesn't make any sense, does it? They're already a part of, of, of community. Right. Our heart is like, leave them where they are. And number two, most of the people they're connecting with have no interest in going to a church service. So why push them into something that then they have to now try to figure out a way to get their other friends convinced to come to who don't want to come to, right? Yeah. So not only have you pulled them out of their community, you've turned, you've taken the little time they do have and turned it all into trying to convince neighbors to go to something that they're never going to go to. Yeah. And I've seen, and I know you've seen this too. When someone says yes to Jesus, they become awakened to this scandalous grace, which just for the record, scandalous just means an apparent offense to morality and law, which is, it's the perfect word for the way that Jesus describes good news, because he's constantly pushing on the button, right? The tension point that people think that what they do or do not do either gets them in or keeps them from getting in. Yep. And so Jesus is like, Hey, (laughs) this is not about your doing. It's about the doing of another person. Right. And when someone says yes to that, and they start, they start plugging into a church community. Eventually, the pull and the safety of that new Christian community eventually pulls them away from the circles and the friendships um, and the places 
that they occupied prior. And then you begin to learn this conversation about God. Um, You begin to learn about him in a controlled environment away from the pushback and the questions and the wrestlings of all your friends. Mm -hmm. And you learn this new lexicon, this new, all this fancy packaged way that your pastor, you know, wants to bring this thing to you and the three points on Sunday and all the Christianese and all the doctrine and all the rest. And before too long, dude, you're just completely irrelevant to all your friends. You don't know how to have a conversation. I experienced this. That was my experience. Dude, I went from this just blue collar region rat from Northwest Indiana who barely graduated high school, swinging a hammer. And initially I was just having all kinds of killer conversations about God, like just raw conversations when I initially like awakened to him and trusted him before too long. Like I started saying yes to every single thing that the that my leaders were asking me to do because dude who doesn't want the black sheep of the church who used to roll in you know 20 minutes late sleeping in the back row you know because he was he was hung over from the night before all of a sudden is like excited about jesus man rush this dude to the stage have him do you oh know, yeah share his testimony everywhere they made you the poster do. child for everything totally man you know ask him to do everything and, and anything and you, you have a heart to say yes, because you're like, well, dude, this is the church. These are my leaders. Like they have my best interest in mind. And before you know it, man, like you can't even have those conversations anymore. Yeah. That one, you don't have the time for it because all of your time is like the limited time you do have is spent within these, the, you know, the Christian subculture and all the programming of it. Yep. But then again, like you just said, you also have not just lost connection. You've even lost the art of conversation. Yes. You don't know how to really communicate. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 law. So that's kind of what I was explaining to them is we're very similar in our heart for those that are, you know, for a world that is outside and uninterested, weary and worn out, man. Um, but our approach is to help people be the church where they are. And I gave, you know, a couple of those practical reasons and totally ties into what you just said in your own story, my story, right? Millions of other stories, coast to coast, around the world. And but there's still this thing in us, right? That same thing that wrestles with the indiscriminate grace of God, that same thing that really wrestles to just take Jesus at his word. Okay. Seems to always creep in best when it comes to the church conversation. And I think it's because church and change are so interlinked in our minds. Mm -hmm. It's like, we'll look at the cross and we'll say, yes, Jesus accomplished it all. He has already reconciled all things on heaven and earth through the blood of the cross, it says. Okay, done. Past tense, done. Doesn't say some things, literally says all things. To take him at his word and then from that begin to look at this whole idea about how people change and what the church is, right? is pretty life-giving. But what I find is, for this, this, and you could almost call it like, I don't know if it's like just our human love for status. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's the thing that's just always creeping up because to really run in a true freedom and trust of what Jesus has done, dude, that will land you outside the norm. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a world that loves control, it just will. And let's just face it, man, the church world. Just like all the social cause and government and companies of today is in love with control in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of what I noticed is like even explaining that and helping them see that from a very practical standpoint. Okay. And then be able to point to the scriptures and just showing like, dude, literally says right here that we were made the church through our baptism in him. We are one body. We are the church in the world. It's our identity. Mm -hmm. Period. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation, every single believer, second Corinthians five, we've been made ambassadors of Jesus. Okay. Acts chapter one, we have been made witnesses. We are witnesses. Jesus said, we're not lawyers. We're not judges. We're not prosecutors, not defense attorneys. If that's your aim, please stop. That's what's totally killing the whole good news and the spread of it through what's known as church. But instead we're witnesses of this story. It says every believer. Matthew 28, we've been, we've been literally called into, invited into the ministry of making disciples. 
literally meaning teaching others to follow Jesus. Every single believer, every single believer invited by Jesus to baptize people and teach them to walk with him. So I can show you all the practical reasons and then I could and I begin to show them all the biblical reasons. And dude, even after that, here comes this twitch, man, this need for control that says, yeah. ah, and it goes right back to this interlink of change and church devoid of the cross. Mm -hmm. And I think when that happens with people who are honest and people who are hungry and people that are eager to learn and people who are open, I think that's where we've been able to write a lot and speak a lot. And we have a lot of resources to come alongside that crowd because we get it. We've been there. It's hard to, to die to a lot of these things that we were handed and told make us right if we mm -hmm. do them. But uh, the crowd that still sees it in the scripture but is unwilling to go all in on the reconciliation of all things, which is oftentimes can be a lot of church leaders, right? The crowd that pushes back, the crowd that fights us, right? The crowd that tells people who are learning these things from us, you know, like that we're crazy and we're rogue and we're wrong and steer clear. That's where I get animated, dude. That's uh. Yeah. That, that bully tactic, man, that comes to people who are trying to grab onto something that's very freeing. I'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah, probably good. I'll probably just stop good. There. Yeah, which is another thing I wanted to talk about in this conversation is, and I think you, I think you brought it out really, really well, is the, the, the profile of the person that is coming around, you know, mm -hmm. Mark. We talk about, just wanting to get good news out to the world. Cause we know most of the churches like, or most of the world rather is saying no to a God that doesn't exist. Like when, like when we've talked yeah. about this, like, man, okay. Tell me about this God that you don't believe in. Okay. Yeah. I don't believe in that God either, man. Like here's how oh. Jesus describes him. Right. So we want to have the conversation of what God is like, even the people who you've argued with, practically and biblically, you know, mm -hmm. about this whole deal. What is the thing at the end of the day that's keeping them right? It's not mm -hmm. that they need to be convinced biblically. It's not even that they need to be convinced practically something about their security, their identity is tied to this thing, which goes to a, a, a belief and understanding a foundational idea they have about God. If I can just be here on Sunday you know what I'm saying? If I'm just doing this thing, this is my nice, I'm in this nice little secure place where I'm checking boxes mm -hmm. and doing everything God asked me to do. I'm being a good church member. I'm saying yes to Jesus, right? All that. So it's, it's more, more foundational, but I think you really hit it on the head when you were talking about um, the kind of person that's coming around. I think that there is, there is a stirring for them. Something has brought them to this conversation. And I think it is really, I think at the end of the day, man, I think they've discovered how awesome he is, how good he is, just how good this good news is. And they just want other people to know about it. Most of the other people that come around us, they kind of get a whiff or an idea. Oh, these dudes are about doing church different. And they might be in the deconstruction camp, they want to tear it all down and be angry about it, but not really offer a way forward or really like live into this idea right. of following Jesus among other people. Right. They usually don't stick with us. They usually just get, you know, you know, frustrated. And I think it also yeah. differentiates from the people who come, who are, they want to bring all the metrics and systems of the church growth movement and be effective and, you mm -hmm. know, all that. And so all that like multi-site conversation just shifted into like maybe micro church or whatever. They usually get frustrated and don't stick either. And I also think like the camp or the people that want to come to us because they're like, oh man, like, you know, yeah, finally, like you guys are like getting back to the way right. the new Testament, like the purest camp. That's like, right. yeah, dude, no, we need to get the reason why we're not reaching people and making disciples is because we need to get back to the way and right. we're just like <laughs> dude i think the church's task 
is not to preserve an ancient way. It's to ask, what do we need to be on behalf of the world that God and Christ loves? Well, that, yeah, that's, because that's the, the question <laughs> that the church has to ask itself and wrestle with in every era, every generation. Yes. hundred percent, man. We, it's very easy for us to forget that the church. Okay. Again, people. All right. That's it. Broken people trusting in God's boundless love. That is to me the best definition for what the church is. Uh, it exists for the rest of the world. That's who it exists for. He's baked it into our purpose. Yeah. So been I reconciled. Would, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation and a word of reconciliation. Yep. And it's, it's, let's just, let's just be honest, man. Like when you look at how Jesus goes about this, um, it's very simple. It's very mm -hmm. ordinary. It is a very much a under the radar approach. It's messy. It's not tidy. It's um, if you're looking for fame and fortune, you're not going to find it by walking in the simple, ordinary ways of Jesus among people through friendship and shared meals and the proclamation that everything that we think is needed isn't needed. And everything we think we're accomplishing, you're not accomplishing that you've been set free from all of this myth that has turned life into something that you achieve instead of a, a set of, ex, of, of, of uh, just something that you experience in the everyday, right? If you, if you go about this in the way that Jesus went about it, um, and I don't mean like in some like purest way, like you just mentioned, that's not what I'm you know, getting at. I think most of what we see in the New Testament is described versus prescribed. So yeah. you know, very big difference there. But what, yep. we, what I love about seeing what is described is you find this freedom to then walk in that, right? Versus a, a litmus test, you know, or some like law and checklist to keep. Mm -hmm. And it's just, um, there, there's very much, like you said a minute ago, man, about the security thing. There is a security that comes from this, this status, this significance that we can, that we can get by being a part of this camp or that camp. And being able to show how we're bringing change to this and how we've measured growth in this and how we achieved, you know, this thing over here. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that always like pulls us, you know, away from the simple man. Yep. It's, uh, it's at the end of the day, I'm just going to say it. It's, it's our unbelief, man. Yep. It's just unbelief. That's it. It's our unbelief. It's our misbelief. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, it's, it's aimed and directed um, in a place that just isn't, isn't real. So I was thinking about what you were saying. And I, and I was thinking, thinking about my own story because I thought, Oh, well, if I just like, okay, here, here's your list of scriptures on why you can't press into the church as just a way of friendship, um, a way of friendship really as the church gathered and the church scattered mm -hmm. a way of yeah. friendship with each other as the church gathered in a way of friendship as the church scattered. Yeah. Um, and dude, what's the simplest way to do that, man, just share some meals together. You're already doing that. You know, <laughs> right. however many times a week, just do that together. Right. Or do a myriad of different things uh, together. And what yeah. are we supposed to be doing when we're there? We're supposed to be remembering Jesus in communion, right? This meal that he gave us. Yeah. And we're supposed to be encouraging one another Hebrews 10, because life is hard, dude. Cause yeah. life is hard and we need encouragement along the way. But I was thinking about myself and I was like, I just thought, okay, here's your list of verses that you, you that are keeping you from doing this. I'll just run through this. And because I had to go through that process myself. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, well, if this is true with what you're saying is true. Now, all of a sudden 20 verses are popping in my head and I need to run through them all. Right. Mm -hmm. And you were a friend to me in that process. And I thought I would just do the same with others and like, oh, problem solved. And we were like, oh, man, something, <laughs> something deeper is going on, you know, yeah. here. And I thought about myself, the thing that was, and I, it was Jesus, man. He was at work in my life, living his life through me. And he was just pushing me to show me that following him is not following rules. Following him literally is like following a person who's present everywhere throughout the cosmos, loves mm -hmm. people, and is at work in their lives. 
Yeah. And mission, he's saying, not this thing to go come and do this thing, but come join me. Right. Come join me as I am at work in these people's lives. And as you go here and there, guess what? You're going to find me there. You're going to find me there. And you're going to find me there. Following me is not following the rules. I think we think follow me is obedience. It's yes. Not. Following me is follow me in others' lives. Follow me in as I work in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Colossians three, right? The mystery of the cross is that we, we live and dwell in him who is life. And he lives That's and dwells in us. Right. That's what he's brought about. So for me to join in on helping a friend press into uh, their misconceptions about what God is like and begin to grab on to what Jesus has really said is nothing other than me just joining Jesus and what he's doing in someone else. Mm-hmm. which would just be natural if I live in him to be participating in what he's doing. Right. But we, right? We'll just do, we'll just complicate that to no end. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we complicate it. I wrote this down the other day. A lot of what we're dealing with and fighting against in the simplicity of what church could be is because we just don't want it to be simple. There's comfort just in the complexity. There is, there is comfort in the complexity because you feel like you're bringing something to the table. Yeah. You're achieving something. Hashtag yeah. winning, right? Like this thing is in us, dude. It's in our veins. Self-reliance, right? We've talked about this. That is yeah. the best definition for sin and it runs in our veins. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have to just keep this in mind. There's a dude, a, a famous guy on Instagram, Instagram preachers, you know what I mean? A lot of, there's a bunch of them out there now. There's one of these things like he wears bomber jackets and yeah, bomber and jackets. Jordans. Yeah. Or, sca- or Chelsea, scallop Chelsea t-shirts. Boots. Yes. They all have sort of have like a uniform. And um, this one guy, uh, Levi Lesko, I think is his name. He uh, sure he's, you know, it's a sincere dude, you know, not knocking everything that he says, but like today, one of the big things that I've, people were sharing that came my way was uh him taking this passage from the scriptures where Paul's talking about, you know, ambition. And he turns this whole thing into like just the, how ambition gets this really bad rap and how winning can get this really bad rap. But that's, that's wrong. What ambition is good and winning is good. We just have to make sure that what our ambitions for are good things. And then we can begin to apply faith where it's, where it's needed so that we can go about winning and achieving these things for the glory of God. Mm. And I'm going, dude, that is not at all, at all what the passage is saying. You're talking about following a person named Jesus, a life of faith and trusting him, okay, and being the church, ministry in the world. And the guy you're following does not have the cool status that comes from achieving things. Hmm. Jesus lost in every single status camp there is on our behalf. Jesus was not hashtag winning. Jesus lost and lost royally on every category for our behalf. He was literally getting lost into the lives of people that he was saving in this simple ordinary, messy way of friendship. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at this thing that's in us and going, man, we want to win. We want to achieve. We want to measure. We want to map. We want to manage. We want control. We want status that comes from it. Right. So we seek out what will bring the fame and the fortune. And, and all of a sudden church becomes this thing that has to always be up and to the right. And meanwhile, in the scriptures, it's the total opposite of that. Jesus showed us that life is found in losing. The life that we long for is found in getting lost in the life of him and other people. It's it's the opposite, dude, of what's popular. My irreverent brain is like, you know, who was around at the cross? Just a few. His mother, Mary. um, It's pretty much it. He's like, hey, someone grab my cell phone. Take a picture of me on this cross, put the hashtag winning down there. I'd do it, but my hands are pinned to this first century torture device. Put this on my story. Hashtag winning. Yep. 
when you think about it, yeah. it's just so stupid. Hey guys, all you need to do is just make sure your ambitions are on the right things. And then you can apply faith where it's needed and you'll always win. And it's like, no, the most faithful being who ever lived lost. Yeah. I'll just stop there, on, on all accounts, is, man. I just want to, I just want to mock that and be real irreverent, but that's just my silly, stupid brain. Yeah. Well, man, I, I mean, we do always want to laugh at things and not take ourselves too seriously and, you know, and cheers yeah. for it. I guess I'm not bringing that up to, to harp on that. I can literally run down the list, you know what I mean? With things that I've said and things that are being said today, but from many other people, I'm just getting at when you watch what the church is doing and where it becomes very popular and where it becomes what we think is success and all these things that come with it, you see the, the, the pull towards these things. So I think what we've been getting at on this podcast, man, and realms of like, just what is the church and this freedom that we have to go walk in it? There's this camp that's like, well, you know, what is biblical? You know what I mean? I want to make sure that I'm right. Hmm. You know, because it's, it's by being right that I'm accepted. Another mm-hmm. you know, misconception, but that's this thing that's in us. And so you'll help people work through that. But then what we have found over the years is that even when they work through that and see what the scriptures actually declare versus what they were handed, and they start to walk in a new way, when the fame and the fortune doesn't follow, okay, when the hashtag winning and success and all the celebration and stories isn't, you know, spreading, you know, spreading around town, you start to question mm-hmm. like, well, well, you know, maybe, maybe it needs to go, you know, we, we need to, we need to go this route. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to go join this thing, or I need to be a part of this thing, or I need to start this thing this way. And so it just seems like there's uh just that status addiction, man. It, yeah it can, it can flush itself out in either camp. And it seems like once you solve the one, then it, then it surfaces in the other, which might be why in the, in the, in the book of Hebrews, when it talks about just gathering to encourage each other is so important and why it really probably needs to be small enough that you actually can encourage each other. We can really hear what each other's really struggling with and bring good news and encouragement to bear on those stories. It's kind of like an AA meeting in a sense. You need this place of connection and confession. Yeah. So, no, man, that's, it's really, really good. Where do you want to go next? You know, like, what do you, like, what do you want to talk about? There's a bunch of stuff we can uh, talk about. I will speak into one thing, and this is a common one I get is when I share about like why we do what we do and that there's, you know, a social reason people aren't interested in it. Um, if it's going to, if it's about, a movement of good news is going to have to be through, you know, friendship and conversation. They're not coming here to hear this person who they don't know. There's a practical one. And then the freedom that we have, you know, theologically, as we look at, you know, Jesus yeah. and, and the way he modeled is like, well, you know, like reaching people in these conversations. I mean, can't you just, can't you just do that, you know, in your spare time plus, you know, do this thing over here. And to which I would say, yeah, you can. Sure. If you had leaders that all they did was just create a gathering environment for you to be encouraged. Church is more than that. And you know, it, it's not just come here. Yeah. It's every attender, a member, every member, a server, every server, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And there's this, there's this pathway yeah. that they're going to pull you yeah. into. They might say, Oh man, just, just come man, just be here. Just be yourself. No perfect people allowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, this is a massive thing going on here that needs to be staffed. It needs dollars. Add on top of it the anxiety that pastors bring into that because they think they're supp- they're supposed to present all of you holy and blameless when Jesus comes back. So add on oh, top yeah. of it the pressure they have. You know what I'm saying? It's just not that cut and dry. No, no, I've. I'm trying to think of like, there's a handful of church expressions out there that I know of where you will find some people going, look, man, we just get together and proclaim good news to encourage people. We sing some songs. Um, that's it. That's all we do. And if, you know, if you've got time to come once a month, come once a month for this, man, hope you're encouraged by it. Or if you want to come twice a month, great. We know that you're busy investing in the lives of people around you and, uh, and seeing, seeing people awaken to this good news. So, Amen. Cheers. Right. Like 
I, I can only think of like on one hand, you know, church expressions that I know of that, right. That are, that are created like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why that all just goes into what you're saying. I think that's why it's difficult for somebody who's going, well, man, I, you know, I want to do, I want to do both. We're not saying <laughs> you can't do both or if you want to go do 10 or, you know, whatever, man, like that's between you and Jesus. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is just trying to help exhausted people find freedom in God's inexhaustible grace and let that be a way of life in which they can actually go. Are you ready? And just lose themselves. Just go get lost in the life of Jesus at work and other people in the simple, everyday, ordinary, oftentimes messy way of friendship and shared meals. That's what we're empowering. And you can take that and run that with starting something that's formal or informal or plugging into this and this or doing this on your own or however it needs to land, have at it. But from our experience, there's generally a biblical hill to get over, right? Then there's the practical hill, you know what I mean? To get over. There's the philosophical hill to get over. And there's then church leader. Well, you have to, you have to become almost like a, a master swordsman because you have to learn to fend off all your pastors asking yep. you every week to do this, that, and the other. Yeah, or, or if you're a pastor, right, you're trying to fend off like your board or <laughs> you're trying to fend off like it's some denominational group, you know what I mean, that's, that's calling for this instead of what it is that you're trying to actually do in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I think if we can just get back to the understanding of it is finished, um, that is the message. The church is identity. Ministry is friendship. Uh, formation is trusting Jesus through life, not toiling for Jesus through life. There's a, there's a very big difference, right? Helping our neighbors realize that freedom is a gift and not a goal. Big difference there. Being a people who start to model friendship is something that's just assumed like kids on a playground do. <laughs> Instead of friendship having to be this thing that has to be acquired. I always laugh about that, man. That's such a weird dichotomy in the church world. But, you know, can, can, you, go, can you go running these things? Yeah. You can, you really can. And we'll really support you as you do. Yeah. But you will probably constantly be faced with people who push back on it. And within your own heart and mind, you'll also have that draw toward what's popular. Right. Yep. No, for uh, sure. It's just, it's real, man. Yeah. It's real. And just an encouragement to anyone who is, you know, thinking of maybe stepping away from something and that, and that something you're thinking of is something that's really just grabbing a, a bunch of your time and monopolizing mm-hmm. it. If you're wanting to do that thing and then have everyone be happy or have all the eyes dotted T's cross and your conscience to be like completely and totally settled, dude, you might not be afforded that. You might not have, True. you're probably not going to get that. Anybody who I know who's even tried to do it in the best of ways like tried to like sit down with their elders, their leaders, their pastors and say, man, this is my heart. And this is what I want to go do. I have, I have rarely ever seen that go well. And it's sad and I hate it. I would love for the formal traditional Western normative thing to not feel like it's at odds with what we're trying to equip. But in a lot of, a lot, a lot of times it it is. Yeah, it is. And, um, you will lose your normalcy (laughs) if you, if you go step into it, but it's okay. I know somebody else who lost his normalcy that we're all following. So, uh, company. Yeah. He's outside the gate. He's outside the gate. You're, uh, you're in good company, man. Let him talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, that, uh, you remember back in the day, dude, with like the whole, like desiring God thing, you know, that whole ministry. And there was that big push about don't waste your life. Oh yeah. I remember when like, uh, John Piper merged with like hip hop culture and started to get all yep. this like cool, like, you know, street graffiti branding and yep. started to yep. link up with like Lecrae and all that. And there was like, you know, and there was like this, this talk that went like viral about, 
you know, how dare you retire and go spend your days collecting seashells, you know, on the beach when there's this don't, God that's at work in the life. world and yeah, don't waste your life. And I, you know, I'm not knocking all of it, but I just, I just bring that up to say the more I study the scriptures and see what Jesus has done and what he has declared and how he went about declaring it and what he set us free in, I find myself going, I don't want to do a don't waste your life campaign. I want to do a waste your life campaign. Give it away. (laughs) Waste your life. Seriously, waste your life. Waste your time. You want to know what it looks like to be the church where you are? It looks like wasting your time on people that seem insignificant. People who aren't going to matter, people who aren't going to get it, people who aren't going to do what you think they're going to do. They're not going to give. They're not going to button up, you know, this area over here in their life. They're not going to straighten up and fly right in this area of their life. Yet you just keep loving on them. You keep encouraging them. You keep passing on good news to them. And you'll have people within that camp who push back. You'll have people within that world that will grab on. You'll have people who grab onto that and then are going to need to keep grabbing onto that. That's kind of where the whole gathering together to encourage each other piece comes from. But Dude, at the end of the day, it looks a lot like Jesus. When you look at Jesus's life, man, you could say it was a colossal waste of time in so many ways of how we would structure any type of movement to change the world. Sure. Totally. Right. But that I think that's what we're ultimately saying is that you have been set free by the king himself to go waste your time on people. That's yep. what it means to be the church. That's good, man. That's good. Um, in wrapping up, I just want to let everybody know that we have, we just put together a new piece um, on this topic, which is going to pair very, very well with reclaim chapter six. So if you don't know, we wrote a book called reclaim um, chapter six is about this conversation here. We wrote an additional supplemental piece to that coming out soon called Reclaiming Church. Uh, we're going to make it available somehow, some way. We're not really quite sure how we're going to roll that out, uh, but we are going to make it uh, available to you guys. So if you want to learn more about yeah. this, go ahead and pick up Reclaim. First five chapters are all about freedom in this message of it is finished. And in chapter six, we get into the church conversation in light of that reality, that finished reality, that reconciled reality. Um, Yeah. Grab a copy of Reclaim. If you haven't, be looking out for Reclaiming Church. Good conversation. You brought it today, man. Good stuff there. Till next time. Yeah, dude. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.